Welcome to episode 45 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Well, today's episode is inspired by a book that I recently finished, and it's called A Year of Biblical Womanhood by the late Rachel Held Evans. And I really do highly recommend this book. It's an easy read. You'll get through it pretty quickly, but it's also pretty eye-opening and really makes you think about how much of how we perceive womanhood or biblical womanhood is actually cultural and how much of it is actually from the Bible. One of my favorite takeaways from her book was about the Proverbs 31 woman, and it has inspired this episode today. So in the modern age, a lot of women have been taught that the woman who's described in Proverbs 31 is actually the perfect woman, like the one we should all be like and live up to. And I just don't know that that's the case. I'm not sure that that was even the intention of the passage. And so today we're going to take a closer look and kind of examine a little more and see if that is the purpose of the passage after all. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Hey, Millennial, welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Catherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate Creator, and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. I think the best place to start is just by reading the passage. So I'm going to read all of Proverbs 31. Please bear with me. I'm going to be reading the NRSV version. Proverbs 31, starting in verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. No, my son, no son of my womb, no son of my vows. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink or else they will drink and forget what has been decreed and will pervert the rights of the afflicted. Give strong drink to one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. Speak out for those who cannot speak, for the rights of all the destitute. Speak out, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Now the famous part starting in verse 10. A capable wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and tasks for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. 
She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all her household are clothed in crimson. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates, taking his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She supplies the merchant with sashes. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her happy, her husband too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her a share in the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the city gates. Reading that back, I'm just reminded that this is really a beautiful poem, especially starting in verse 10. And in fact, it's actually an acrostic, which means that each line begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, for today's purposes, I want to just draw out three different observations about Proverbs 31 for us. The first is that it's actually addressed to a man. This whole section is really King Lemuel learning from his mother. The second section of the poem, like I said, is an acrostic in Hebrew. And again, it's not addressed to women as a to-do list. It's not like, here, check this off, your good wife, check this off, your good wife. Actually, in Rachel Held Evans' book that I mentioned earlier, um, she was able to establish a relationship and learn a lot from an Orthodox Jewish woman who was living in Jerusalem, who was named Ahava. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Ahava gives her opinion in Rachel's books in several different points that help her have a deeper understanding of especially the Old Testament. Ahava actually notes that this poem is read by Jewish husbands to wives every Friday night for dinner, at least where she is, to recognize and praise all that she as the wife has done for the family and for the home. It's not a list of expectations that the husband has of her. It's actually an invitation for husbands to slow down and recognize the contributions of their wives. Now, I'm going to read part of what Ahava told Rachel, and I'm going to read more of what she told Rachel later on. But for right now, I just want to quote starting on page 87. Every week at the Shabbat table, my husband sings the Proverbs 31 poem to me. It's special because I know that no matter what I do or don't do, he praises me for blessing the family with my energy and my creativity. So I think that that's so interesting that this was not something that Ahava expected, like, okay, by the end of the week, I need to do all these different things that are listed in Proverbs 31, but rather my husband will recognize the different tasks that I have done throughout the week and praise them and recognize that this is valuable work that I'm doing and, and show gratitude for that. Kind of along these lines, I've also been reading, just starting today, a book called The Redemption of Love by Carrie A. Mills. And I'm only two chapters in, just full disclosure, but those two chapters have really been very eye-opening now, Dr. Miles, she takes a look at gender norms and roles, and she looks at them through an economic, social, and sometimes historical lens. 
And she talks about how separate work spheres for men and women actually developed out of necessity because women needed to produce lots and lots of children in largely agrarian societies, which is how societies were pretty much organized before the Industrial Revolution, which took place, it's debated when you can start it, but basically at the end of the 1700s, beginning of the 1800s. Before that point, though, most societies were agrarian and households had to provide literally everything that they needed other than what they could trade for, but they had to produce a lot of what they needed. And women had to produce lots of children so that those children then could help with all of the tasks that were required of the household and also to support the parents if they made it to old age. It's like the original social security. (laughs) However, in a practical way, this meant that women were pregnant A lot of the time, a lot of the time, because they needed to produce lots of children to make this work. And that means that women were really limited in what they were able to do on a work front, because when you're pregnant and you do physical labor, it can lead to miscarriage. And that's the last thing that the women wanted, not only for obvious emotional reasons, but also because... That meant that they wouldn't have the child and have the child be able to contribute to the household work. So from an economic standpoint, they needed to keep producing children. So being pregnant made it so that women could not do certain jobs in the home and to support the family. At the same time, let's say a woman's not pregnant. Let's say she's just given birth. Well, they don't really have formula during this time period. And there is no substitute besides modern formula for the milk that a mother produces. So if a woman worked too hard and was stressed out and was not able to produce enough milk, it could lead to infant mortality. Or if they were too busy to feed their infant, then that would obviously lead to the child the child starving and not being able to survive. So on a practical level, women did the work in the home, meaning raising the children and anything else that she could do outside the home. So sometimes this meant working on the financial aspect. Sometimes this meant doing the practical things like laundry and cooking and things that would not make it so that she would have a miscarriage or be unable to produce milk. And anything that she could do safely outside the home would also be done. Okay, so she might have some sort of business dealings in that sense, as long as it wasn't too strenuous in order for her to do what only women can do, which is bear children. So I think that Proverbs 31 really recognizes a lot of this work that women needed to do in order to support their family's literal existence. It's kind of, it's like an ode. It's, it's a, a celebration almost of, wow, women are doing all of these things. And that's beautiful. And remember that this is addressed to a man. It's not instructions to women to how to behave or what to do. Women are hard workers and have been hard workers since forever. (laughs) Just sometimes their work does not get paid or recognized because a lot of times, historically speaking, it was in the home. The second observation is that the wife who is described in this poem is actually described as a woman of valor. So I went ahead and I looked for every single translation I could find and, you know, I collected the most common ones that I found, the most common translations for verse 10, which in the one I read was a capable wife who can find. So that word capable wife, I was looking at all kinds of different translations. And most often it is translated as either 
capable, excellent, virtuous, or noble. But what's really interesting is that word in the Hebrew actually doesn't denote perfection or virtue. So I think in our, in our modern English language, the word virtue doesn't make sense for the translation. It's most closely translated actually as the word valor. And this is a word that's used, you know, the Hebrew version of this word is used to describe men in the Bible in other parts, and especially if a man was going into battle. So the connotation of this word is not virtue or purity or something like that. It's actually bravery or strength. So a strong woman or a strong wife who can find. A woman of valor who could find. A brave woman who could find. Lori Buckle, who writes for CBE International, she notes that, quote, The word translated as excellent is cheville which means strength or valor. In the Bible, Cheville is often used to describe an army or an individual warrior. This wife, then, is no passive adornment. She is a competent leader and force for God. Ironically, our medieval forebearers were actually more correct. The Latin Vulgate, the translation used for the first thousand years of the church, used the phrase mulierium, fordum, or woman of valor for this verse, end quote. So again, it's woman of valor, woman of strength, woman of bravery. And I think that that brings a beautiful, different way of reading this section. My third and last observation is this, and I kind of touched on this before, to be honest, but Proverbs 31 was never meant to be a to-do list. It actually just described what women already did. Carrie A. Miles in her book notes that, quote, But the good wife was not an ancient liberated woman. Women simply did all of these things in the ancient world. End quote. So when she's talking about the good wife, she's referring to the woman described in Proverbs 31. So let's take a deeper look. What does this brave wife do? I read the poem through again. Here's what I noted. Here's how she's described. She is trustworthy. She does good. She works diligently. She runs a household and a business. She's generous, a provider, strong, dignified, self-controlled rather than idle. She's wise, kind, praiseworthy. I love that verse that says she laughs without fear of the future. And there's probably even more things that I missed. This was just a quick second reading. There's tons we could pull out of these verses. They're very rich. But when I was rereading it, I was kind of struck. And I thought to myself, this really reminds me, the way that she's described really reminds me of the fruit of the Spirit. To remind us, the fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians 5, starting in verse 22. And it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So to me, this woman, she's not an, an ideal woman that we aspire to, in, in meaning like the tasks she does. I don't need to make a checklist for myself and say, check, I 
you know, made garments for my family. Check. Uh, my light did not go out tonight. Whatever. Check, check, check. And to me, when I'm looking at what to pull out of these verses in an application kind of way, it's not what she does. It's really the way that she does them. She does these tasks with strength, dignity, wisdom, and the fruit of the spirit. This woman actually breaks a lot of cultural stereotypes, right? Yes, she's sewing and caring for her household, but she also has wisdom. She runs a profitable business. And she takes the time to provide for the needs of her household. But she's also generous, and she takes the time to care for the poor. So for me, it reminds me that she's a biblical representation that there's no right way to be a woman. If you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a woman of valor. If you're a hardworking businesswoman, you're a woman of valor. If I'm a part-time working mom trying to keep up with a podcast and taking care of my daughter, I'm a woman of valor. (laughs) And so are you, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Proverbs 31, it's not supposed to be a list for you. It's a recognition of the valiant strength of women. And the strength comes from God. She is a woman who fears the Lord. And that doesn't mean that she's afraid of him. She's scared of him. It means that she has deep reverence and appreciation, love and awe of the Lord. That is the source of her strength. Kind of an interesting way to think about this is also coming back to what Ahava said to Rachel. She said, quote, Here's the thing. Christians seem to think that because the Bible is inspired, all of it should be taken literally. Jews don't do this. Even though we take the Torah literally, all 613 commandments, the rest is seen differently as a way of understanding our creator rather than direct commands. Take Proverbs 31, for example. I get called a valorous woman all the time. You make your own challah instead of buying it. Eshet Shail, which is a woman of valor. Work to earn some money for the family? Eshet Shail. Make balloon animals for the kids at shul? Eshet Shail. With that in mind, here's a challenge for us. What if we started calling out the ways that women in our lives are women of valor, women of strength, women of great courage and bravery? I got this idea from Rachel Held Evans in her book, who started literally doing this to her friends. And maybe it's weird to actually say like, hey, you're a woman of valor, like in those words, but maybe instead we could just start to really see each other. Maybe we can start to point out the fruits of the spirit and the inherent strength that God gave to women. And we see that in each other and we just take some time to recognize it. I think that would be really beautiful. So let me end with this. You are a woman of valor. You demonstrate the fruit of the spirit, not perfectly, No human is perfect except Jesus, but you do. And God sees you. He recognizes what you're doing. You do not have to hold it all together because it ultimately rests in his hands. He loves you and he sees the strength that he gave you within you. He sees every act of love generosity, strength, goodness, kindness, patience, joy, self-control, faithfulness, gentleness, and peace. He sees every bit of you. And he loves you 
in the fruit that you demonstrate, and in all of your imperfections. Because remember that Christ has died to cover all of your imperfections and all of your sins, and you don't need to be perfect. God, thank you so much that you bless us with your word. Thank you that we can always see fresh perspectives and that we can learn and grow all the time. I pray that we would get all of our strength from you, that we would look to you in reverence, in awe, in wonder, in love. And I pray that you would draw us nearer as women and that you would affirm all that you see within us. Thank you that you value us just as you created us, that you value us for the creation that we are and the image bearers that we are. You love us so much, so much that you would withhold nothing from us, not even your son, to bring us into right, close, reconciled relationship with you. We love you, Lord, and I pray that you would free your women, that you would free them from the binds that society and patriarchy and maybe even themselves have placed on them. I pray that you would free us to be who you made us to be, that we would be obedient to the calling you place, even if it's scary, even if it's not what we expected, even if it's breaking with tradition, even if it's not. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all the ways that you use women, that you make women, and all the beautiful traits and skills and talents that you give them. May we use them for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show, and it helps grow our community. Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast, and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.